Everybody keeps asking about uh, One Life, One Chance podcast merchandise. I finally released t-shirts and crewneck sweatshirts. You can go to www.h2omerch.com and you can pre-order right now. It's a worldwide international shipping. Sizes small through 5X. If you really want to support the podcast, it's the best direct way to do so. So I appreciate that very much. You can pick up that merch today. Thank you. I want to talk about Disconnected, how... It's on Don't Turn Away, right? It's yes. on that record. Yeah. But then when it was on Big Choice, it wasn't listed on the record, supposedly on the outside, but it was on the record. Is that true? Yeah. So what happened is when we when we went to this that label, Vic, Victory Music, not Victory Records, the hardcore <laughs> label. So confusing. Um, uh, they had just done this deal with A&M. Yeah. So A&M's distribution was Polygram at the time, and they yeah. hadn't run any releases through Polygram's distribution. Yeah. So they said, hey, guys, could you give us an EP or a single, and then we'll have something to run through Polygram, yeah. so then we kind of know how it works. We'd hate for you to do a full-length album yeah. and then have there be some kind of fail with the distribution system. Yeah. Let us run this EP through. So we put together an EP that we called Over It. And it basically had songs we'd already recorded gotcha. that we re-recorded and a couple of, of new ones. On that EP was Disconnected, along with a bunch of other songs. Yeah. So uh, our label, Victory Music, runs it through the Polygram distribution. And A&M is the marketing company on it. Yeah. And and uh, we're like, yeah, cool, do it. We're on tour. We're not even paying attention, right? Yeah. So someone at AM in the radio department gives over it to K Rock yep. and focuses, tells them the focus track is disconnected. Wow. And I'm on tour and I get a call from our AR person at our label and they're like, You just got a song added to K Rock. And shit. we were like, What the fuck? Like mm-hmm. we we didn't even know it was going to happen. We didn't even know the label. Like the label was just doing this on their own yeah. and not really telling our manager or us. Yeah, yeah. Uh well, thankfully it have. I mean, that's one of those things it's like you get so freaking lucky. Yeah, it's fucking you know, crazy. We yeah. weren't even we as far as we were concerned, we weren't trying. They were, but we didn't know. Yeah. So um they they got the song added at K Rock and it started reacting and doing well, but we'd finished Big Choice and it hadn't come out yet. Okay, so it's waiting to come out. Holy shit! And so the label has like now it's caused caused a crisis. So the label's like you got to put you have to put disconnected on Big Choice, and then here we go again with our 90s pseudo punk kill rock stars ethic. Yeah. Oh, you can't tell us what to do. (laughs) (laughs) We're a punk band. We make our own decisions, blah, blah. That would be super lame. What would our audience think? And, you know, at the time we're worried about (laughs) whatever tiny following we'd started to garner versus what following we could garner with a radio single. Totally. Um, But that's where we were. And, and it caused a lot of rift in the band as well. So after much debate and arguing, we came up with this idea of like, well, why don't we put Disconnected on Big Choice, but we'll just call it a bonus track. And if we're going to have one bonus track, let's have two. That way it would be like, all right, here's the CD with these two bonus tracks. Yeah. Um, and then we, and then I don't even know who came up with the idea of the skit, but we're like, we, and we're going to ask the label if we can do a skit where we can go through exactly what did happen. So we can make fun of ourselves 
wow. with this whole thing. Yeah. And so we told the label that's what we wanted to do. And they're like, fine, we don't care what you want to do. We'd want this on your new album because you have radio and we don't want to stop that, which oh, is shit. obvious. So <laughs> we get off tour. We go back in the studio. We record Bikeage. We recorded a new version of Disconnected. Okay. And that was the version that went on the back of Big Choice. And then we, that's actually the head of the label at the time, the guy with the English accent, that's Phil Carson. On the record. Okay. And our A&R guy, Kevin. Um, we had them come into the studio while we were recording. We said, yep. cool, we're going to do this skit. We didn't even work it out. We just went in with an open mic. Yeah. And uh, they went, okay, guys, uh, I think we're done. Oh, wait, we want you to add Disconnected to the end of the record. And then we just said basically what we had been feeling in the van on tour. Mm. And that that's the little skit. Holy shit. Somehow that made us feel like things were right with the universe if we, yeah, you put it out <laughs> if there, we like, did it that you way. You your piece on I that. guess. Uh, and then, so, and yeah. that, that's a game changer for you, right? Disconnected. It really was because although it didn't, it it never really caught on in the rest of the country. Yeah. The hope, the way that we hoped it would, it really caught on here yeah. in California, like in Southern California. But we did radio shows all over the country in support of it, and it was added for a time, you know, in Texas and Cleveland yeah. and and Northern California, different parts of the country. Seattle, we did radio shows everywhere in support of it, and um, I, I, you know. Was that an exciting time? So now you're in a major label. Now it's the second time you release this song. By the way, inspired by Hope lyrics by Descendants. Thank you. The yes. people, the people Thank you for picking up on that. talk about that? <laughs> um, I think you're the first one that's ever on, pointed like, it out. You don't know. <laughs> dude, when I hear that, dude, it's just... Well, like I said... I'm sure at, they were psyched. Like I said at the beginning of this... Descendants. My three bands Trifecta. that kind of got me into wanting Fugazi. to write this stuff. Descendants and Bad Religion, yeah. I mean, I had a song, I, I wrote a, I titled the song Everything is Everything on the Don't Turn Away record because of a lyric from Fugazi, you know? Mm. Um, so nobody ever asked you about that being Descendants homage? I, no, but I mean, what? I clearly know that it is, and that's it why is, I put it yeah. in there. You made a lyric like a freaking chorus. <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing, man. It's like, it's so incredible. Like, I think I told somebody that recently. Like, what? I said, listen to the song. Like, it's from, it's from, it's, did the descendants ever say anything? Like, they were flattered or anything or know about it? Or they had to hear it. I don't, I don't. It was huge. I think it kind of went under their radar. Come on, man. Believe it or not. Yeah. Wow, man. It's funny. We, we recorded our, our record protection a couple of years ago with Bill up in Colorado. Bill Stevenson, the best. And, uh. I'd met Bill a few years earlier on the Warp Tour when Descendants were out touring for Everything Sucks, like when they finally Incredible when album. they first came back. Dude. Yeah, so rad. And uh, everyone was like, oh, this Bill dude's a trip. He's either going to love you or hate you, you know, approach with caution. I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to go talk to Bill. Like, these <laughs> yeah. guys are my idols. Black flag. So, um, so I went up to Bill, and he was super nice to me. So I was like, cool. I guess I, I get to be the the you know, in the column of, you know, nice guy with Bill. Yeah. Um, and then come to find out it, um, a lot of his erratic behavior was because of his tumor and yes. everything later on, which is Brain, super, yep. super nuts. Yeah. So fast forward past all of that. Um, we wanted to make a record with Bill when we got back on fat records for protection. And uh, so we go to Colorado and Bill's like, yeah, I, I kind of remember you guys. Um, but it, it, <laughs> I remember a bunch of times he's like, Oh, you remember? Yeah. 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 But you know, that's bill. Yeah. And within 
with, of course we showed up, we jumped in his car with him. He's like, Hey, I'm going to take you guys to the store, buy whatever you want. Let's stock up for the studio. He was super accommodating, super, super friendly. And within like the first 12 hours of us being there, we were like full bros. Yeah. And it was a fantastic experience recording with them. Yeah. I want to go there someday. I heard it's amazing. Uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, but there was a lot of, of stuff that he doesn't just didn't really remember you know mm-hmm. i was gonna be like hey we were the band that like played bikeage every fucking night while you guys were broken up and and mm. i just always went oh the descendants are like the best band on the planet it's too yeah. bad they're broken up now you should totally check out their old records yeah <laughs> i would say descendants is original pop punk oh absolutely original man talk about love songs and farting and coffee like i, I never drank coffee my mom drank sank i'm like how come these young punk rockers are talking about coffee so much? <laughs> That's the first time I heard like somebody talking about that kind of subject, you know? Yeah, totally. It's so different and it's just melodic, but still like fast and aggressive and something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. When I heard when, I mean, I was hooked when I heard the melodic, you know, uh, descendant songs. Yeah. And then uh, the other stuff is great too. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I really like the Bill Stevenson written songs the real wendy the, and clean sheets and all that stuff yeah sour yeah. grapes and that, that's, that's Dude, the classic it's the best um all right so disconnected blows up game change you make a video for it it's getting played too yeah right yeah the video was getting played on on mtv on uh what were those what were those shows they used to have uh mtv 120 two, minutes 120 and minutes. all that kind Matt of Binfield. stuff yeah yeah which was fantastic it was amazing man we would we would be on tour we'd play a show and the TV would be on in the bar and it would flip to 120 minutes after the show was over and our video would come on and we'd be like, wow, fuck, this is like the coolest Did you shit feel ever. Like, like this is it? Now we're in a major label. Well, not the major label, fuck it. But now the song's on the radio like, holy shit. This song that was on the last record, this song Disconnected, it never stood out to you guys like this is a bang or this is like a hit or nothing? It was just a song on there to you? Yeah. It's so catchy, dude. It's such yeah. a, it's such a great song. I mean, I, as far as we thought is it was it was just another it was a we was one of our songs we liked on the record. Yeah. Like we thought it was one of the standout tracks. Was there a song on Big Choice? It was like, no, this is the song, and then that, that came on K Rock first, like, oh shit, maybe it's gonna be this song. Was there a song you guys had chosen? I feel like I do that with almost every record. Every re- I'll, I'll I'll make a record and I'll go, Oh, this should be the focus track, and it almost never ends up being that, you know? It's so weird. Yeah, it just uh, that was that was with with big choice i think um i i always thought aok was like the the best song on that record but i always felt like at the time and again you've got to frame it in 1995 or whatever 94 95 um music on the radio wasn't that fast i mean aok is a a good pop song but it's a fast song yeah so it never occurred to me that something like that could ever get played on the radio and then fast forward a couple years later blink 182 is shattering that yeah good Um, point good point maybe had we had the opportunity to get something like that out on the radio earlier it it could have done it but until blink had uh was it josie that's the was the fast kind of song is that sissy growing up? Growing up was was another one. That's not super fast. I think Josie's fast. Yeah, my girlfriend. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a super fast song. Yeah, so, it is true. So up until then, no one had really had that. But I remember when we were making this record with Tom, and uh, he didn't get to hear the songs until we showed up in the studio and played them for the first time. And then, of course, they were unfolding in front of him as yeah. like, bass and drums, add a guitar, add a guitar, vocals last. So he didn't even really know what the songs were until they were finished. Yeah. While he's listening to the music for It's Not Over, he's like, that's a hit. 
that's a hit song. You should make that your single. And I was like, dude, you're, you're on crack. Wow. It's crazy. That song's way too fast. Wow. They don't play songs that fast on the radio. Yeah. And then once we make the record and tour and start playing, it's one of like our most popular live songs. So he wasn't, he wasn't wrong yeah. about the appeal of it, you know? So, so when the disconnected hits, do you see a difference in playing shows after that? Like when it's on the radio and MTV, you start and you start playing shows, you see a different audience. You see it, it just blows up for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, doing, it, it was a different audience for us in terms of what we could draw. Uh, we, we, I think the next headline tour we did was like right before big choice came out, we were on tour with the mighty, mighty boss tones greatest, supporting the greatest bands, dude. And they had just put out question the answers. I think yeah, that makes sense. Right yeah, around yeah. that time period. Yeah. And it, it was a fan. It was dude. It was such a good tour. It was, it was so fun. It to was with. the boss tones, us and wax. Wax. I remember that band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Joe Sib. Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone, <laughs> everyone was so cool. I mean, everybody got along so great. It was yeah. just fun. The whole tour was fun. And, uh, what was the point I was getting to with that? I was about the song. Was that the main song in the set that people waited for? Was oh, disconnected. Like that? Yeah, we started noticing people would react. Well, I was going to say that was the last tour I think we did as a support band. And then we made a conscious decision after that to just, we knew we weren't going to play to as many people, but yeah. we're like, let's just start headlining because the sooner we start, the more we're going to be able to cement our career as a, yeah. as a standalone band. And um, yeah, and I think having a song like Disconnected that was as widespread as it was helped us to establish ourselves as a headliner. And yeah, um, and, yeah and it, it just it became one of those songs people people recognize. But and the label was happy. The label was happy and it was all good. And yeah. then and then uh, and and then we made another record. Yeah, I'll fast forward this because you might get bored talking about yourself. But people, trust me, the listeners love this shit. They love the breakdown. But 1996, Face to Face, self-titled. Some of the songs I liked on these records was Walk the Walk, Ordinary, and I Won't Lie Down. Bangers. Thank you. And what's interesting about this one, I want to I say is... Um, and Shiflet had joined. So Scott joins after, after Big Choice. Like all my notes, yeah. Um, after, I think that after the touring and the and the the grind and the living in the van and all the personalities Brutal. and all the shit, glamorous life, <laughs> dude. It, you know, it just kind of really lets you know where things are at and and yeah, and who's who's down who for the... works and who doesn't, like what personalities clash, which Agreed. don't, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it just wasn't vibing with Matt, um, unfortunately, at that time. So Matt left and it was, it was, then it was me and Chad and Rob and we found Scott Scott Shiflet. Scott Shiflet, who's been in the band ever since. Yeah. Right around, that was around 95. Yep. Um, the cool thing about this from a label standpoint is we got to leave victory and go directly to A&M. So oh, that was like, that was our first major label release. Yeah. Okay. So no more training wheels. Yeah. yeah Mid level yeah. <laughs> label. Yeah. And that came with its share of bullshit too. I'm sure. Unfortunately, we had a bigger push behind us, and off the success of a disconnected. You felt pressure too to make that next one. Um. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um. Matt had to write a song. You think like I know you guys don't think that we have to write a song that's on the radio or have to write a song that's just as. You know what? I wasn't really focused on that. Yeah, I can see to be you like that either. Yeah. You know, it. it uh, I had been for other records, but I wasn't really feeling that on self-titled. I kind of didn't care because, uh, yeah. um, for whatever reason, Matt. Once Matt left, I lost my writing partner. 
because mm. Matt and I wrote everything okay. on the first two, right? We were collaborators okay. on all those songs. So I, and Scott, who would become my collaborator, yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't, he didn't feel like he, he didn't want to be presumptuous enough to jump into that role, just having joined the band. Yeah, except yeah. Toes or anything. Yeah. So I wrote a lot of those songs on my own, and then I'd bring them to rehearsal, and then the guys would kind of be like, sprinkle a little fairy dust here and there. Oh, what about this cool bass part? What about this cool mm-hmm. drum fill? Um, and then we made them our own from there. But Scott, despite the fact of him kind of wanting to not, you know, yeah, overstep, um, he did contribute quite a bit to that record and and uh, helped flesh it out and make some real like he's a co-writer on I Won't Lie Down, you know, yeah. and all that. So here's here's kind of the heartbreaker of that record with all <laughs> with with all the momentum we had yeah. from Big Choice going into that album. Um, we rehearsed it. We recorded demos. We actually pre-produced the album and made demos and made it super pro. Took it seriously. We went back with our buddy Jim, who all those years ago had re- offered to record us for free at Raji's. That's pretty amazing. Because he came in and heard what we were doing on the Big, big Choice record and just went, what the hell? Are you, why are you guys letting this record happen as kind of this throwaway thing? And so he, he really stepped up as a producer yeah and he did pre-production with us and he helped us and contributed on arrangements and all that kind of stuff that's awesome and we went to um i'm not going to be able to think of the name of the studio, studio produced or, um, just right up the street here oh really on melrose um swing house not swing house um the og one that's been there forever like rod stewart recorded there and all that stuff. is it still there still there i don't, I don't know if it's still there I'll be there man <laughs> i know what you, i know exactly what sound on the name but you went there okay you went yeah there. yeah kids you can google that shit yeah. that's we that's we did the self-titled there we did it there with jim we rented gear for the first time we brought uh different guitars in for different Damn. sounds we brought different amps in we had a couple different drum sets like we brought ross the drum doctor in to tune the drums Dang. and get the like we we tried to make a professional yeah album at this point but we were working with our friends we didn't bring an outside guy in yeah. to tell us what so that felt really really good yeah when it was mixed, now we're working with a new manager too. We're working with Rich Egan. Oh yeah, Rich Egan, Vegan Records. Who would end up being our manager for gotcha. a very long time Vegan after Records. that. That's right, that's right. And uh, so he had a lot to do with kind of helping straighten us out because Rich is a punk rock yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's a sure. punk rock fan far mm-hmm. earlier than I ever was even. Yeah. And and he's like, yeah, I've been following your band. I thought Don't Turn Away was a great record. I thought Big Choice was okay, but Don't Turn Away is better. Wow. And uh, let's, you know, let me work with you on this new record. So a lot of this new uh, professionalism came as a result of having Rich involved and him interfacing with A&M and calling them on their shit and trying to keep them in yeah, line you're back. as well. That's awesome. Yeah, you need somebody. Like yeah, that. exactly. And this is someone from the punk rock world. So yeah, he understood we're you now being represented by someone who gets the ethic and mm-hmm. the ideal. Yeah. Um, so we make that record and and I Won't Lie Down was kind of the standout track yeah. for, for 96. And... I don't even know, like there's no official story behind it, but we had a, we, so we had a release date set. We had a whole plan of how to do it, like a full marketing plan behind a super pro big team of people, all that good shit. And the song, I won't lie down leaks to K rock. I didn't take it there, (laughs) but it leaked to K rock and K rock liked it and they started playing it. Wow, man. Right away, which was 
huge, right? So huge. But this was now records used to work on a different timeline for promotion back then. Yeah. So you'd, you'd put out the single and then release the record. What? Like two months later. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, now it happens way faster. Totally way faster. But um, I think our record wasn't scheduled to come out for like four months. Dang. That's when it was in the system for A&M. Yeah. So K-Rock starts playing the record and and they're like, when are you going to release the record? And uh, Rich gets in touch with the people at K-Rock and he's like, well, we're scheduled to release it on XYZ date, whatever it was. And they go, you got to move up the release date or we're going to have to stop playing it because we, we don't work records for that long of a period of time. Oh it's just yeah, never yeah. done. Yeah. And so I remember the whole band and rich took a meeting with the head of radio at a and M on the a and M lot to sort this problem out. Yeah. Yeah. It's right? a great problem. Our A&R guy, the radio yeah. department, like as we're in this big room, you know, and here we are dumb punk rock kids. Not <laughs> don't know our head from our ass. And Rich basically ran the meeting, but the long and short of it is, is the record guy decided, or the, I'm sorry, the radio guy um, decided that his, I feel like he decided that his authority was being challenged and he didn't want his machismo to be challenged by yeah. a bunch of dumb 20 year old kids, yeah. punk rock thing. He and he, he said, we ain't moving it up. They'll play it. Don't listen to the shit they're telling you. They like it. They'll play it. We're leaving it right where it is. I don't want to wow. mess with the plan. And we're like, dude, you have to move the, please move the release date up. We'll go on tour early. We'll do everything we need to do. Yeah. Please move it up. And A&M just went, nope, not going to do it. Dang. And what happened? Karak quit playing it. Wow. Not only that, they weren't even to consider willing to consider any singles off of that record after that. Holy so shit, it was a full sucks. music biz power play. That sucks. You know, you got the people at the radio station and the people at the label asserting their dominance. Yeah, and you and get fucked. And who fucks gets the fucked in the middle? The band. That's crazy. That's crazy that K Rock is so supportive of local bands. Unlike the East Coast, is not like that where they play like. Bands from, you know what I mean? It's really cool they did that from twice. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, so the flip side of that that's still good is they're still playing the shit out of Disconnected. <laughs> they still are, right? <laughs> yeah. To this day, right? Yeah, so it helped. I love I that. I mean, it continued to be a good thing for us. They just wouldn't play our new material, yeah. but they still kept playing Disconnected, you know? So wow. if there was any moment we were sort of poised to, you know, really break out, yeah. I think it was that self-titled time and that I Won't Lie Down single that was kind of the moment that could have taken us from where we were to a completely other different level. But that was, that's kind of our missed opportunity, but mm. I, you Did know, the fans like that record though. Oh, I think our self titled record is our best selling album that's of awesome. all time, actually. And despite whatever music biz radio single yeah. nonsense, I'm just telling you the little no, heartbreaker story. No, I love it. All that shit aside, what really matters about what all this stuff we're talking about and why I'm still here and you're still here yeah. is because we understand that, uh, number one, even being able to create a connection between music that you create and a fan base of any size yeah. is really, really special. Totally special. Man. And it's something that you, if you do truly recognize how special it is and you want to cherish it, you want to nurture it and you can't. Yeah. And that means you don't ignore it. You, you pay attention to what your audience likes, what they want, and you try to do things that are 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 considerate of that. Do special things, make yeah. special releases, set up 
uh, things to meet with people, get online and do chats. Like yeah. you do, you want to give lots of access and you want to keep that going because that's why I got to do here. As much as it seems like it's going to be a one-way thing, like, oh, well, I get to get my ego massaged because I'm a cool dude in a band. It's not about that. Yeah. The reason any of us ever want to be in a band is we wrote some song in our bedroom that True. we felt really emotional. It made yeah. some kind of a connection with us that we loved. We can't even really describe it, right? You can't describe it. You put it. some chords together and a melody, and it made you feel a certain way that is indescribable. Yeah. I agree. And then you record that. And if other people get that same feeling that you got, you've now, you've now made this connection. That's on a level that's completely, you know, different agree, from, from verbal communication or, yeah. or physical community, any of that. Yeah. And that's something that only can be done through creativity. Yeah. And, and I agree. And the arts. I mean, I hate to call punk rock art, but for no. because it is a creative medium, Direction. it is for lack of a better term. So it's true. Being able to recognize that connection if you truly value it and it's something you want to keep going, then you do. And so guys like us are aware of it and we yeah. we do keep it going because we love being able to share have that shared experience of creating something emotional that you can share with complete strangers 100%. or even people that you you maybe kind of know a little bit no 100 percent. um and that's why you guys have a longevity career that's why your music connected fuck the labels the managers yeah, all that yeah none of that you, you made the music and that's what's the most important thing you know what i mean and I, I i just want to recognize that more than the story because all yeah. of this business shit you know it is what it is it is it none of that even applies now the it music business is so completely different yeah um but it's interesting to talk about it historically because it, it was the way that it things totally were. Was. And, a and lot making of, it through that and still having a career. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of bands get thrown to the side or they, they fail on a label and they give up or they quit. Did, right. you ever, did you ever feel like quitting or stop doing it? We did. And, no, and, they have a hiatus. Yeah, I hiatus. mean, we did have that hiatus yeah. um, and we did call it a farewell. I mean, as far yeah. as we were concerned, we broke up at that point. But um, yeah. I think we, we we just quickly realized after a couple of years of us doing things individually, creatively, yeah, that um, nothing we ever did on our own added up to the same vibe as when we not. was yeah. when we made music together. Yeah, and I guess really that's maybe more of just a Scott and I thing. Like when Scott and I play music together, there's yeah. there's something special about it. Um, yeah. I mean, Danny, Danny, who uh, took over for Pete when we reformed, he's been in the band for well over a year, uh, 10 years now, uh, 12 or 13. Awesome. And Dennis slowly became this replacement for Chad over the years. Initially, yeah. you know, when, when we reformed, Chad was there, but Dennis has now kind of assumed that role. And, and this lineup we have of, of these four guys, it's like we're family, you know, yeah. like it's it's the best it's ever been not to say that it it hasn't been good through the years too of course but there's something it's a brotherhood, man. there's something special about playing the music together and when i mention the shared experience between the band and the audience that's what it's all about but yeah. the shared experience between the band members is like off the charts totally man it's in a way so that special, it's man. that it's never been before yeah so we you know we want to keep doing this as long as we can yeah <laughs> it's just <laughs> we love doing it. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, stand, standard and practices of cover songs. It's cool because you mentioned uh, Duran Duran and, and Psychedelic Furs and Inaccessible's bands that you like 
earlier in your life, but you end up covering them later on, which I, thought, I think it's really cool. It makes sense now when they saw you cover those bands that your new wave band from back when you were yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah. brought those back forward. I think it was so cool. It was fun to have the opportunity to do that. Um, to have face-to-face do those songs, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, so speaking of that, I we just released a volume two. I know, it's on here, volume two, yeah. Okay. I know all my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this volume two, he did Joan Jett, Devo, Naked Raygun. Yeah. One of my wife's favorite bands from Chicago. So that was a more recent uh, cover no, that we did. No, I know, did. but still. It's um, like, I've I always that, loved like, that song, The Grind, and I didn't realize Jettison was kind of like this album, dark horse in their catalog because it came later. Yeah, it did And it's later. funny. There's elements of it that sound a little bit metal, especially mm-hmm. the production. But uh, that was the first Naked Ray Gun record I ever heard. So that was my entry point into the band. Is Treason on there? Uh, no, that's not. No, that's not on there. No, I don't Treason. think it's on. You like Peg Boy too? Love Pegboy. Dude. Yeah. Pegboy was great. Three chord Monty. Incredible, man. <laughs> but to see Naked Reagan on there, I was like, oh shit, because that's my wife's favorite band. Like We didn't ever really we never got to play with Reagan. Um, but we did play with Pegboy. Great. We, we had Pegboy out on a on a short East Coast. Tour Underrated, man, that record too, man. Yeah. Shashan, what's it called? I forget the name of that record. Just incredible, incredible band. Um I'll fast forward through all this shit just for the kids listener. Ignorance is Bliss, nineteen ninety nine. You can stop whenever you want. That was our departure album. Okay, departure. That was your last. That was your departure. That record was a departure for us, yeah, because it, it, we we veered away from our kind of SoCal skate punk mm. pop sound, and we tried with a conscious effort to do something completely different. And it didn't come from an A and R guy, a manager, a label, a producer, yeah. anybody. That was us, you know purposefully trying to do something something different different. and what i think what ended up happening as a result of that is people didn't get it at first um but now that it's a part of our catalog there's a lot of people that love the record and it's become one of their favorites strange how that happens but at first it doesn't (laughs) 10 years later people oh my god i love that record yeah i appreciated it so much back then yeah 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 meanwhile you see like five five people hating on a message board. I think everybody hates it. I don't know. Well, what's cool about it is it showed a different side of, of our, of us creatively as songwriters. And although we've distanced ourselves from it, I feel like that other side kind of creeps in here and there now in the punk rock songs that we write, you know, and you can hear, you can hear it on the next album reactionary reactionary. Yeah. You know, it's kind of got a little bit of that melancholy mixed in with the pop. Is this a record you guys don't play any songs from? Ignorance? Yeah. Um, no, because it's so different. Okay. It's just so different from the punk rock set. I think a lot of bands do that. They have one record that's totally different. You know what I mean? There's one Bad Relation record that Brett would not name. He like he mumbled it. Into the Unknown? <laughs> yeah. That he wouldn't mention on the podcast. He didn't mention it. Just, yeah. but, like, but some people love that record. You know what I mean? But they do one obscure one. You know what I mean? A lot of bands do that. I think if we if, if we ever do Ignorance, we have to do it as its own album. So it would be like an album tour where we just play yeah. that record front to back because not just it's not just the songs, the the whole like emotional content of that record. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't mix with everything else in our catalog. It's just got a totally different but vibe. I, I, I like when bands do that. They don't do the same make the same record over and over again. Man, it's so good to have yeah. a band do something different to have out because people think just because you're in a punk band. All you listen to is punk rock demos or hardcore in the van, or but you listen to all types of music, and so sometimes sure. it's good to have that come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, and I I respect bands that do that. It's it's definitely one of the best records we've ever made. I we so we, you love it, yeah. Oh, we worked our asses off on that thing, and, yeah. And I think it's really strong, and you know, I think it'll still it'll be one of the crowning achievements of our career. 
you wow. know, ever. Um, it's just not, it's not like a punk rock album. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like what you would expect from so, a punk rock band. So he did the covers record in between, then Reactionary comes up, comes back, and that kind of puts you back on your sound. That was, a, yeah, yeah, that was like a, a comeback from our departure. It was a little, <laughs> at the time, it was, it was like one a year mea though, right? culpa a little bit. Oh, yeah, we, we cranked that next record out fast Dang. because the backlash was so bad on Ignorance, we couldn't even tour. We had to stop a tour. We stopped mid-tour. You mean online backlash? No. <laughs> <laughs> like people weren't coming to the show? People were paying money to buy a ticket to the show so they could throw shit at us and spit no on way, us. No way, dude. I'm not kidding. Holy it was shit. worth it. It was worth it to people to Maybe plunk I skip that in my notes. Plunk down 15 or 20 bucks just to show up and go. Ah, Are you fucking serious? This sucks. Dude? This isn't punk. Were yeah. You guys super bummed? Super bummed. Super bummed. So we made Holy reactionary shit. really quick so we could like go, okay. But but not you know, embarrassed about what you did. You you, you made the record cuz you loved it. No, we figured it would it would ah, take a while to catch on. It's kind of that's pretty that's pretty that's probably one of your most punk records then to do something totally different. That that's that's fucking punk to me. <laughs> it is. You know what I mean? If if the definition of punk is acting in the manner that uh, you want to act without any regard of what people will think of you. Totally. You know, like having the confidence to do something that you think is good and right. That you love. You and not you're not worried about the social repercussions of other people's opinions, then yeah, it's punk rock. So this was not just, so they came in real life to heckle. That's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> That's, so did you guys like- well, Now you're going to have to listen to it if you've never 100%, heard it. 100%. I'm definitely, <laughs> so did you guys stop the tour because that was happening? We did. We made up Holy some- shit. We made up some lie about, uh, I think we said Chad broke his foot and we just like left. We, we quit like with 10 more shows to go. Damn, or man. Yeah, it was a bummer. All you kids listening, if you're one of those kids heckling them, I bet you love that record now. <laughs> and you're in your own, your growing up age. Check this. It, if people who were listening might have been at the Denver show we did on that tour, uh-huh. Chad was getting spat on so many times Seriously. from the stage that he Threw his, he took his guitar off mid-song and jumped feet first in the crowd and started fist-fighting the audience, basically. Holy shit. And we had to stop the set and get him out of the crowd, and it was a big thing. And that was not like him to do something like that. That was, that was our last show of the tour. Wow, dude. <laughs> if you were spinning on face-to-face back then, that's lame, dude. That's so lame. We got spit on once, man. Italy at a festival, and it did not end well for the for the. Oh, no. Audience, it's, man. it's bad. It's so disrespectful. Why do you even come to the show to do that? That's crazy, man. I don't wow, get it, dude. I bet they came back and bought Reactionary though. I bet they were at your next show, sing along, for sure. Dude. The funny thing is, like, yeah, we put Reactionary out and we toured on it, and everyone forgot about the. Isn't that crazy? Forgot about being mad about Just the last year record. Ago, they forget like that. <laughs> wow, man. And then a couple of years after that, people started coming up going, "Why don't you ever play songs from Ignorance, dude? That record's awesome." Like, dude, really? <laughs> did you hear about that tour? And then How to Ruin Everything two years later. Yes. Um, that was the first record we ever put out on Vagrant proper. Okay. That was on Vagrant Records label. You guys have a lot of records, man. It's awesome, man. Wow, I feel like such a loser. My band's been together 25 years. We have five, we have six albums, dude. <laughs> it's so, how many years you guys been together? It'll be 30 next year. Okay, it's a little different. 2021 will be 30 years but for damn, us. damn, you guys. And we put, just finished work on our 10th studio album that'll come out next year. You guys just put, you put so much work in, man. It's so awesome to be to have all that songs and you know what's funny is Damn, is uh, gearing up to to write this new album uh, about a year ago, right after we finished that tour with you yeah, guys yeah. and Lagwagon, we're like, okay, time to make a new record. Let's start writing, you know. And I looked at it as such a daunting task, and I didn't ever used to do that Writer's with record type stuff. Or? I just went well because now I know how much 
emotional energy goes into making an album. It's draining, man. You know? Yeah. And I'm not the kind of guy that like wakes up with a notepad and writes lyrics every day. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm kind of either in creative mode or I'm not. And I have to quiet my life down to put myself into creative mode because I'm, you know, I'm a little bit manic that way. Yeah. Um, so... I almost have to go, I'm going to make time to write, and now I'm going to write. And so, when you do that, sometimes you write a lot of garbage. Yeah, you're you almost know? forcing yourself. Because <laughs> it's forced. It's forced, um, yeah. You have to get inspired. But uh, if there's any silver lining about COVID, and there aren't many, uh, is that we were able to spend the better part of this past year kind of chipping away and tinkering with the songs Taking and the album. No and rush. it wasn't something that had to happen in three months. It yeah, wasn't like great. studios booked. It costs this much money. You got to get in and get out and get yeah, it done. So we've been able to do this a little bit at a time and go through a process and then like, you know, get through one portion of making the record and listen to it for a couple of months yeah. and go, Oh, I think I want to change this and that and refine this and make it better. Yeah. So that's been, it's been nice to have the extra time for that. So when you did the nine years hiatus, we did like the seven years where Oh, we did. It wasn't nine years. Okay. It wasn't I, I nine. I thought it was between 2000, 2002 and 2011. No. Uh, was. Uh, How to Ruin Everything. And the next one was. Oh, no. But see, we still one. continued to tour after How to Ruin yeah, Everything. Yeah, us too. I'm saying, but not put music out, new music. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair we enough. did the same thing. We didn't release a record for seven years after the major label. We were so burnt. We were so fried. We were so mentally drained that we didn't do We toured. We didn't do any new music. We just, we just like. I don't know, kind of burnt on it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And then it took seven, but yours is like nine. So, well, we, we didn't make a record for that long because I think we toured up until about 2004. Yeah. And then we did a farewell tour and that was going to be that. What was that? What was that decision to say you were done? Um, we just felt like we felt like ignorance was the, the direction we wanted to take the band into and when Damn. and when people didn't respond to that and we went back to punk rock it felt like we were derailing our creative vision i respect that man wow um man. so that could just change the name maybe it felt a that. bit like a facade to keep going on in that i mean we made Playing a, to please them and not yourselves kind of a little bit ah. so we broke up out of frustration and then but you probably didn't want to in your heart obviously not really no we um that sucks but we didn't want to. We didn't want to call it a hiatus. Like I, for yeah. for whatever reason, at the time we felt like it needed to just be a clean break. Just break it up, and then we'd be free to go into other projects. Got you. But what we realized is that we just needed a little break. Yeah, you burnt, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we just needed a break. Because you want to still love each other and love what you do and love being on stage with these people. But sometimes yeah, you need a break. Same thing. With and us. and it made us appreciate everything so much more. And this time, when the band got back together, we were truly motivated by the love of playing music and, and being in the band. Yeah. It wasn't about like, I've got to write the perfect song that gets me this many record sales that yeah. gets our band drawing this Zero many people. Pressure. At night. There was none of that shit. We just yeah. went, you know what? It's already gone. So if we put it back together, we'll have some fun with it. Yeah. And it's probably the best I've ever felt being in the band because I had the freedom to go, I can walk away from this whenever I want. Yeah, you know, because you, whatever. You, because yeah, you don't care. It wasn't like, uh, life or death thing. We have to make this record or go on tour. No business probably stripped down to and just making songs. Whether or not that was real previous to any of that, yeah. those were things I put on myself. Extra you know what pressure. I mean? So I was able to to reconcile that with myself and get rid of it and go, if you're not doing this for the love of doing it, then you don't need to be doing it at all. Oh, I and love that. That's that, the way man. it's been ever since we started playing again in 2008. 
Yeah. Um, so we've had, you know, 12 good years of, of that good, positive yeah. vibe. I want that to be the feeling when we finally start playing shows after this lockdown. Like, I appreciate it. I don't take it for granted playing music, but I want that excitement to be there once we get on stage after this fucking COVID, man. I want yeah. that same kind of feeling, excitement, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so crazy not to, like, know the future of what's happening right now. It's insane, isn't it? Like, would you, <laughs> would you, would you do a car one, a drive-up one? Would you play a bunch of cars beeping the horn at you, clapping? That's how they clap. They beat the horns. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I can't do it, man. I mean, I I don't have any disrespect or shade for any band yeah. that does want to yeah. do it that way. If it works, if that works for them, that's great. And I yeah. get that people are, you know, they love the live music experience so yeah. much. They're willing to experience it in any modified yeah. way they need to. I just think it would diminish the experience of what our live show is to a point that it would be better just to wait. Yeah. You I know. saw the together at home thing you guys did. That was cool. Yeah, and, that's and that, cool. that's, that's that still lets people know that we're we're doing things. You yeah. know, when we put this this covers record out, and yep. um, and we finished a, a studio album, which we're going to sit on until we think we can do a tour. So at least until next year, sometime. Yeah, that uh, just came out too. The standards and practices that came out this year. Yes, part two. Yeah, yeah. I did a vinyl for it, which collects the first record we cool. did and the new one. So it's a double disc That's edition smart. of everything. Who which put is that cool. out? I did it on my my label, Antagonist. Sick. It was a limited edition version of the vinyl, um, which is gone now. I might do some repress. That's cool, know. though. You had labels, too. Lady Luck, too. Is that a label you had? It was an imprint. Yeah. It never really was a functioning label. My, Folsom, too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These are they were mostly failed ideas. <laughs> yeah, but still, you tried, man. So this Antagonist brand that yeah. I've been doing now, I've been reissuing our catalog albums, but I've been doing them in very limited runs yeah. to make them collectible. Smart. And uh, it's it makes it a lot more attractive for people to want to buy them because they can feel like they got something that might increase in value totally or just limited. something cool to have. Different colorways um, and stuff. I, and the, the new book that I just put out, yeah. too, is also on my antagonist. Um, the complete emperor. lyrics from 1990 to 2020. Dang. That's cool, man. I realized this year, because with COVID, it's kind of made us sort of reassess everything about what we're doing yeah. as musicians. And I realized that 2020 is like a 30th anniversary from when I first started writing awesome. lyrics for this band. And when I looked at the amount of songs that I had, and it's not just face to face, it's face to face solo stuff too. Records, it's cat, it's like B side yeah. uh, outtakes, comps. Uh, it's Viva Death songs I've written. It's my solo stuff. It's just it's like everything I've done in the last 30 years. Dang. It's well over 150 songs. So it's amazing, man. It actually made for like a, a kind of a cool collectible sort of poetry style book. It's really cool. And uh, I worked with this artist Ray Tattooed Boy out of San Antonio that I found on Instagram. Sick. And uh, <laughs> he put together a bunch of illustrations for me. He's a punk rock guy. He's a fan of our yeah. band. And um, it just, it kind of made for like another cool, like coffee table book, oh, another like cool. collectible sort of thing to have. And that's so. the name of your solo record too, right? Melancholics Anonymous. Yeah. 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 You did, so, you have so much, man. All right, hang on, I'm going back. <laughs> so we don't have to talk about these. That's the people listening, so they might love these records. Yeah. Uh, Three Chords and Half the Truth, 2013. Protection, Hold Fast, that's acoustic record, correct? Yeah, you left out Laugh Now, Laugh Later. Which... Oh, Laugh Now is up in this industry. Laugh Now, Laugh, Laugh, now Later. Laugh Later was the first album we made after we reformed. So it's mm. the first album with Danny, it's a comeback record. Danny on drums. That's our comeback record, yeah. And, Were people and, psyched on that? They uh, had to be psyched on that. People really like that record, yeah. We, we recorded it with Joby Ford from the Bronx. He oh, engineered nice. it. Um, and... Uh, 
we did it at his studio and then Corey Miller did all the artwork for it. Oh, Corey Miller's sick. Yeah. So that sick was, that was artists. a fun record to, to do and a good collaborative effort. We worked with people that we, that are buddies of ours, you know? Yeah. And then it when it came out, was it well received? People were excited for the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's that awesome. one was very well received. That's a great feeling to come back and have that people waiting for you. You know what I mean? And yeah, for sure. And then we did three chords, which is a, another kind of a bit of a departure yeah. <laughs> record. Um, but there's great i think there's great songs on that record as well and then protection was a a return to fat records oh shoot okay back there yeah so circle from don't turn away to fat yeah yeah yeah. that was our first record back on fat and bill uh, stevenson produced and jason uh up at the blasting room blasting room yeah uh produced and mixed that someday in colorado and so ever since that record we've been back with fat Okay. And um, doing things with them. They put our acoustic album out. Stands and and they two. put our live at a dive. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Our live record. And they'll be releasing our upcoming new studio record, too. That's so amazing. It, you talk about full circle. And I think what's really cool is like we all started out at a certain time period. And when you, you go fast forward 25 years in the future, whatever, it's cool to see the people that have kind of stuck with it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I looked around at some point, we've been jumping label to label to various things here and there. And before we did protection, I was like, we'd done a show actually, cause okay. fat records was doing their 25 year anniversary oh, yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah. Remember when they did that? Yep. And, uh, they were going to do one here in LA at the palladium. And I'd, I'd called Aaron not long before that and said, Hey, we're making a new record. Would you consider putting it out on fat? And she's like, yeah, let me hear it. You know, and I'm sure it's going to be good, but we'd love to have you guys back on yeah, fat. That's cool. So we showed up and we played at that thing and announced that we were going to be back on fat records. And it, you know, you don't really know in the future what things will be enduring or not. And I, we never had a, a bad experience at fat. Um, I mean, shit, they've been paying us royalties since don't turn away. Sick. Religiously that's without amazing. fail. They're yeah. good, honest people. They wouldn't have lasted this long as a record label 100%. if they weren't. And um, to me, I was just like, God, this is so obvious. It's just right in my face. We yeah. should we should go back. And I was worried that maybe, you know, Aaron or Mike <laughs> would be like, no way. You left us a long time ago. You guys already made your choice. You're lame. But there was none of that. No, you know, there was none of that at yeah. all. It was just like, come on back into the fold. That's We've cool. been waiting for you. You know, that's nice, man. So it's such a good feeling of like family and I and, love that. And uh, and just being around good, decent people that care about what they do. You know? Yeah, I would hope that Brett Gerwitz would say that to us one day. Can we go back to Epitaph? I'm sure it would be like that too. It's been since the '90s since we left there, but like. That'd be kind of cool to go back to something like that. It'd be cool. Yeah, dude. Or Hellcat or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. You produce a lot of bands too. No Motive, Monine, uh, Viva Death, your own band. Yeah. Jughead's Revenge? Yes. That's I did. sick. <laughs> That's so I, cool. I did the Just Joined record with those guys. Wow. It was a lot of fun doing that record. Do you like producing? Do you want to do that more? Well, this was all during a period of time. Okay. Um, and I haven't done it for quite a while. Okay. Uh, I like working cool with. Did that, I liked working with my friends. Like yeah. working with Jugheads was great because yeah. I knew those guys and they were buddies of mine at the time. We were pretty close and yep. and we just toured together and all that. Um, and and making the Monine record was fantastic. Those guys are great. The No Motive guys were really awesome. Yeah, it's a great band too. Since then, I've I've tried doing some other production stuff, and I, you know, I at the end of the day, I love producing music. Yeah, I like mixing and engineering and producing. I don't like developing 
people, <laughs> people's <Yeah>. music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just realized it kind of wasn't for me, you know, at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, I like making my own shit. I think I'd rather stuff. mix than produce at this point because, uh, you know, people, I'm, I'm a little more old school when it comes to making recordings and, and we, we kind of live in an era now where bands are super lazy, I think, especially punk rock bands, yeah. uh, especially drummers in punk rock bands <laughs> because they're so used to just having someone drop it into pro tools and edit all the drums and then yeah. they don't have to really learn how to play the drums properly. Or singers that's that you know don't sing on key great or you know, and yeah. so I see so much Fucking of singers. I just don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to have to mm-hmm. be the guy that's fixing substandard performances all the yeah. time. So yeah. that kind of turned me off on the whole production thing. I just bailed. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. You did that to have any resume. You know what I mean? You know what? Those were all fantastic experiences. Oh, I did yeah. a record for a band, Death on Wednesday. Yeah, that's right there, um, yeah. that was so a, the one that, band I don't mention. Yeah, Death on Wednesday. That record that. came out really, really Death well too. That was Jorma who would uh, eventually end up joining the Bronx on drums. Oh shit! Okay, that's um, a great band too. Yeah, yeah, th- those guys were awesome. And then your solo record too came out in two thousand eight. Uh, was was it weird like doing your own thing away from the band? Or you always enjoyed that? It was. Um, I think the hardest part of that for me was just writing without a writing partner. I yeah, like, I kind of like to collaborate, it you know, it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. It's fun to bounce ideas. I kind of like feeding off of that thing. It's like you start playing a chord progression or something, or you got a melody and then the other guy hears it goes, Oh, what about these chords behind it? And then it's like this cool reciprocal thing that kind of takes a life of its own on. Yeah. Um, that to me is more fun. It's, it's more lonely just to, to write, yeah. <laughs> to write by yourself. But that was the stuff you had you um, to write and get off your chest. And but get yeah, out I never, I, I wanted to try doing a solo album. Yeah. This is when the band had gone on hiatus, totally. obviously. Stay creative too, you know. And I, I really leaned hard into those like new wave influences that we talked about yeah, earlier. It's awesome. So it's it's a, a mixture of a lot of that kind of thing. And then about Legion of Doom and Viva Death, is it we're going from face to face and doing side bands with like newer people? Well, Viva Death wasn't really that different because it was still Scott and I. Okay. But we we had other guys. Other guys came in, like Josh Freeze played drums on Sick. it, which was cool. Amazing Chris's, drummer. Uh, Scott's brother Chris came in and did some guitar stuff. Okay. Um, so we did get to play with new guys. That's and, cool. And that that was fun. Yeah. That part of it. Um, Viva Death actually has had a pretty long run since then. I uh, Scott and I kind of had the idea originally. We did the first album and then I wrote a couple songs on the next one. And then since then, it's kind of uh, morphed into more of like a Scott uh, project. Okay. So I, I haven't really been active in it for the past couple, two, three records. And okay. it's um it's been a, a, a really good creative outlet for Scott. And it's really, I mean, you should check out the songs. Yeah, I want to check it out super, for sure. Super, super rad. Um, w- when, you became, when you became like a parent, became a dad, did that change your perspective on your music career or... Then make you even want to go harder or less touring. Oh, as as with regard to music, yeah, um, becoming a parent. Yeah, you know, it will. It, I mean, it's hard to balance it, man. Sometimes, as you know, it changes your perspective on life, life in world. general. <laughs> like, yeah, all of a sudden, one day you're like, I care about what I want to do, and then the yeah. next day you're like, I got to take care of this kid. <laughs> crazy, I want to make man. sure that that you know he or she is going to have everything that they need. Hundred percent, man. Um, it came at a time for me, which was a whirlwind because my son was born in 96, right? After yeah. we'd released self-titled, which is kind of this real uptick. Wow. Oh, and shit. we toured on that record for two straight years. 
So, but he was still young, so that's a good time to go. I think he was a little guy. Yeah. He was young yeah. in that infant stage. You know, dad is important, but they want the mom. Too. I've never been super good with infant stage. I was me like, either. you know, like call me when he's running around and talking, <laughs> and then I want to be super involved. But hundred percent, infant parts a little harder. It's all about the, for the me. Breast, you know, for, for like, me, I felt like same thing. Like. It was all about the breastfeeding for my wife. I'm like, what about me? What is my job? Am I just going to get the diaper? Like, what am I supposed to do? So I went on tour. There's been Hazen Street right that time when my son didn't even know who was who. So I thought that was a good time to go. I agree. Yeah. It's a yeah. weird thing being the dad at first because you're like, you don't feel the connect right because it's about the mom. Like, whatever. It's like, what am I? It's a weird thing, man. I mean, not that you shouldn't be around. But, no, I, I but, know. Um, but it's the best time if you have to go. Exactly. So that did tend to work uh, yeah. pretty well. But we, uh, and Scott can tell you from when he joined, he thought it was hilarious because he joined the band. Tina was, I think she was already pregnant with my son. And, and uh, you know, before too long, well, actually when we were mixing the self-titled record, he was in the studio in a little baby carrier. Wow. You know, and he was coming in while we were listening to mixes and stuff and hanging yeah. out. And then <laughs> the bus had a playpen in it you know, wow. right from the very beginning. And so obviously you don't, I mean, for, for both my wife and my son, when he was baby, you don't want to be on the road for a extended periods no, of time. Man. Come but in they, out, visit. They'd come out for like five days. Perfect. We'd have the whole back lounge to ourselves. So cool. You know, we got to hang out. I didn't have to be completely separated from them. Yeah. And we tried to always keep that connection throughout the time uh, uh, you know, when the kids were little, it got to a point like when they started school where I wanted their lives to be a little more normal, normal. and not, not have so much travel in it. Yeah. But, um, but we've always tried to keep a thing. If I'm going to be on tour for more than, you know, say a month, uh, we tried not to go more than like two, maybe three weeks would be the ultimate maximum without seeing each other. Mm -hmm. So we would just schedule the tour in such a way that there could be, she could come out and visit for a couple days yeah. or maybe we would just break the tour up after two and a half weeks and then I would go home for a month and then we go back out. Yeah. It's more and, to balance it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's and super then important, you know, during our quote unquote hiatus or yeah. breakup period, that was a, a really great time for me to be able to connect with my kids. My daughter was still pretty little during that yeah. time. Um, I was coaching my dad, my dad, my, I was the dad coaching my son's I was league ask teams. You get involved in all that stuff. Like PT, like we were a big baseball and... family yeah. uh, when the kids were little and I coached my son's baseball and my daughter's softball teams. That's cool. I'd love to see you. As a coach. Um, that cool. was, that was a good way to connect with both the kids and is, I enjoyed it a lot. Is it weird when you become an adult in society? Because when you're on tour, it's like fantasy when you're home, it's reality. Like your wife doesn't care what band you're in or anything. Oh, right. You have these duties. Right. So when you when you're meeting like other adults and other parents, it's hard to say like, what do you do? Yeah. So tattoos. I play this. So well, most of the time, I was like the degenerate in the outfield <laughs> with the tattoos, and yeah, and, and none of the. And then you'd meet that you know one or two few parents in the larger group that would be like, dude, what are you a tattoo artist? I'd be like, no, I play in a band. Oh shit, that's cool. And what then guys they would want to hang out, you know. Yeah. But we, you know, we were in Westlake Village, so it was yeah. a little. It's very suburban, you know, a little stodgy back mm -hmm. there. It, <laughs> and, it's uh, weird, like trying to tell people what exactly you do when you become in the adult world. You know, or going yeah. to the school. Or I feel so weird when I'm there, man. I oh yeah, to. yeah. Me too. Me too. I would feel <laughs> a little. I was. I was one of two dads that had sleeve tattoos at the entire 
elementary school that wow. my kids went to. That's so cool. So, tattoos. Well, some people some. would say it's cool. I think most like people were like, ah, that dude's a criminal of some kind or whatever. It's so crazy, man. The stereotypes fucking <laughs> with tattoos and, and being a musician too. You know what I mean? Like, But yeah, anyone who got to know me or know our family realized that my wife and I were dedicated to our family and our yeah. kids. And so the, the tattoo thing falls away after and You have two kids, two grown kids. I do now. <laughs> yeah. And do you, do you feel like some of the punk ethics you learned in your whole life you instill in your children? Absolutely. I think, I don't know if I learned, I don't know if I learned punk ethics or if at some point, since I kind of came to punk rock a, maybe a bit late, I guess. I was already mm-hmm. almost 20. Um, I think what I realized ultimately is there was this punk rock scene that already had uh, the ethics that were most of the identity I'd already formed. Yeah. So I kind of, I found it and I went, Oh, I belong here. Yeah. I didn't even realize I belonged here. Yeah. And so it was more about me finding a movement that existed that already aligned with my, my ideals Mm -hmm. and personality. That's right. You were straight edge. Uh, Yeah. I already had that going for me. (laughs) It's it's so crazy. Um, Do you have, do you have, I'm getting down to the end. I know, but listen, like, um, do you have any regrets in your life? Uh, I think everyone does. I, I, I have none that stand out. I think That's it's, cool. it's not important to, yeah, I can look to back mention. on memories I have that I, I would be regretful of, Yeah, but I think it's important not to regret, you know, you should try to, you should try to live for the moment you're experiencing now and not yeah. give too much credence to what has already, already happened. Use it as something to learn from if, you know, if anything yeah. else. So. Off the top of my head, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I try not to live with regrets. No, I love that. What, what do you credit to you think face-to-face is longevity? Like, why do you think you're still here? Tenacity. People, people still care. <laughs> I think it's just tenacity. Okay. It's, it's an unwillingness on our part to give up. I love that. Our fans, we've had many, many more fans at various points in our career, and mm-hmm. we've had far fewer fans at various points in our career. Yeah, and, and highs and the lows. When I was a kid, I think I I, I looked at it completely wrong. I, I thought, oh well, if I just work this much harder, then we're going to make it, and then everything will be easy. Yeah. And what I've learned over time, I, I think I learned pretty early on in the band is there's no such thing as a make it point. You know, I like that. There's no there's no point at which you can go cool. Now I don't have to worry about anything. I mean it's not really about making money. It never really has been for me. I never looked at the band as like, you know how I'm going to get rich. I'm going to be in a band. (laughs) Yeah. That's like one of the worst plans for anyone who wants to be rich. Seems like you're working in between tours too. You come home and work. Yeah. 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 So I think it's, um, you, you know, you, you have to, if you want longevity, you just have to wake up every day and go, this is what I want to do. And you have to constantly work on it and you, yeah. you have to never be willing to give up because it, like I, I said earlier in our, in our talk, yeah. the only person that cares as much about the band that you're in is, is you, yeah. no one else will care as much. Right. So if I stop carrying the bands over, so yeah, the reason, the, the reason the band lasts is because <laughs> I don't want to let it die. <laughs> yeah. And if the kids keep coming, why, you know, don't fix when he broke. I always say, we'll keep playing as long as kids keep coming. And the kids are getting younger and different generations. Sure. Now the kids, now p- parents are growing up and you're bringing their kids to see your band. And yeah. Yeah. It's a trip. It's, it's a trip. crazy, man. Um, do you have any daily rituals you do? Are you a coffee guy? I love coffee. Okay. Yeah. I drink coffee every day. I, I don't know if I'd call it a ritual. Um, but you do I, it every I day. I drink water every day too. Yeah, I go piss every day. 
<laughs> do you do yoga? Do you do you work? Do you like ex- what is your like something to keep you? You know, you you mentioned regrets. I I wouldn't say this is a regret, but it goes more into the column of things I I'd like to work on about myself. I I think that's one of my biggest weaknesses is I'm I have a really difficult time finding. Uh, good habits to make. Mm. <laughs> I think I have plenty of bad habits like everyone else does yeah, because we just fall into them and we don't worry about them. If I would like to work on creating and sticking to more good habits for myself. That's mm. one part about myself I would like to improve. Setting goals for yourself and just just sticking to something that's more regular, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find that throughout my life I have spurts of doing that. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to take part in an exercise regimen and I'll do that for three months or six months and then I don't anymore. Or yeah. <laughs> and recently I've I've um, started, uh, you know, practicing mindful meditation. That's and cool. My wife did I that. did that for about six weeks um, and I loved it and I found lots of benefits from it, but I haven't been able to get back into it. Mm. And I, I, I'm afraid that it's maybe because I'm maybe a bit weak emotionally, you know, and it, uh, this, the, what the events of this past year, 2020, yeah. I don't want to blame anything, but it's I just know. been such a strange year. Um, oftentimes I let it get to me and I me let too. it, I let it depress me a let little the world bit be down on me. For sure. And, um, when I feel that way, it's hard for me to feel like anything matters. <laughs> and I, then I, I, I don't, it. then I don't uh, put a priority on, on, uh, making good habits. Yeah. So. That's, it's an it's interesting been, how been like, we get to do what we love. We're healthy. We have families. We own our houses and we play music for a living. And that's, that's amazing. But all that aside, like it's, it's so hard to avoid getting somewhat dark and depressed with, with the world right now beating down and the future of music, which is whatever. Cause I kind of push that to the side right now. Yeah. Just like what's happening. Where it's just hard not to, it's a mental beat down, whether you want it to be or not. It's crazy, man. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Ha- it's hard, man. I mean, it's hard enough to hard stay enough. to stay positive without everything we've experienced over this past year. Exactly. Um, one thing I really respect about you and what you put forth in your social media and everything is you're just so positive. Thank you. And man. that's something I would like to aspire to to be more like. Thank you, man. Uh, more like you, and 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 I live in a PM. I live in a bubble. Try to put though. more positivity forward. I've spent so much of my life uh, being negative. And, I don't uh, see you as that though. It's crazy. Just hearing your whole story. Well, I you seem like just a focused person that knew what you wanted from a very young age. If you've known me for, for a long period of time, I didn't <laughs> used to be this way. Okay. <laughs> I think right. I think I've mellowed a little bit with age. If yeah. you knew me in my twenties, you might not be saying the same thing. So you look like a rebellious kind of punk, but like, it's fuck everything or just just a really intense person that's really mm. focused on the things that I wanted that I thought were important. And then you go through life and realize, well, maybe your priorities were a little bit screwed up and maybe maybe it's not so good to be as intensely focused on things and and uh, and reevalu- huh. reevaluate the things that you think are important. And sometimes those are things you don't have to be super intense about because yeah. if you're really intense about getting what you want, when you don't get them, the lows are really, really low. Really low. <laughs> You've had such a roller coaster of a career with, you know, the different labels and songs and all that. Yeah. I mean, one of my questions, my main last questions, usually you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist. So you've been both. I've been both. I, I now at my age and going forward in life, I, 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 consider myself optimistic most of the time. And when I'm not, I try to be mindful of that and recognize my pessimism and turn it into optimism. Mm. Ultimately, I do believe with all the garbage in the world, I I do believe that 
you know, most people in the world have an innate nature to want to do good. Yeah, there's good people. I, I, I think that too. I think when people are threatened, they're willing to do anything that they have to do to not feel threatened. And that causes people to, to make decisions where they might act in a, in a bad way or gotcha. an immoral way. But I think yeah. ultimately most people are driven by a desire to do good. That's why religion is so uh, pervasive in the world. Yeah. But even people who aren't religious... Um, ultimately we want, we want to do good by others and people that don't, um, are, are mostly in the minority. You know, I, Mm. I I don't have a dark view of the world. I don't think that most people are, are bad either. You know, sometimes I think that's a fault of mine that I see the good in everyone at sometimes where I should my wife's like, you're too nice sometimes. That guy's a piece of shit. But sometimes it's like, I want to see the good in everybody and my friend, you know what I mean? Like all my friends are, all my friends aren't perfect and. But well, yeah, it's, it's, hard. it's important to be savvy. You got to be street smart. Yeah. <laughs> you want to recognize uh, when when someone is is uh, up to no good. No, I know for sure. But I think an in, in innate nature in most humans is we, we, we do ultimately want to do good. You know? Yeah, we want to see the good. We want good things to come. Like, is there something positive that came out of this whole lockdown for you? Like something that you learned about yourself or learned how to do or maybe you're a better cook or I don't know, something <laughs> something you try that you haven't tried on this lockdown? Um. Not not anything as specific as that, yeah. but I think if I had to look back from right now to when we, we first started going through this, I think something that's positive that maybe we can all take away from this is, is that we learned how to live through these conditions and, yeah. and we're making it, you know, yeah, we're making it somehow we are managing, we've, we've adjusted things about our lives and our careers. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's hopefully given us a little bit more time to focus on the things that are important, like our family and our friends. And it's given us a little bit more time to spend, um, with people that are yeah. important that we might not have been able to under the normal hustle and bustle of life. It's a good test yeah. on your marriage as well. Like, cause my wife tells me that the reason we're married for 25 years is because I went on tour and I came and left. God, you and, and me both. And, and Anyone who's been everything. married as long as us yeah. and, and still travels. But we got solid, like, we, we've been married a long time, so we have, like, our best friends. They get it. Yeah. But my wife saw us, yeah, go on tour. She said that that helped. Oh, it's been challenging. It's been challenging so this now, year. So now you're on top of that person. You know, this is the longest I've been in L.A. for a long time, and you start thinking about things. Do I really want to live here? Is this, do I like this? You know what I mean? You're right. stuck in one spot. Right, right, so right. So that, that's a crazy reality. Oh, trust me. My wife was giddy when I was getting ready to leave today. Mm. She's like, I'm going to miss you. Are you going to yeah. miss me? <laughs> How long have you guys been together for? Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been together for? Um. Oh boy, don't quiz me on this. We, well, a long time. We started dating and uh, we got married in 1988. Holy shit! So I graduated from high school. <laughs> wow, bro, that's amazing, dude. Yeah. To have that and have a music career and a marriage and make children—that's amazing, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's been that, that, good. That it's, says a lot about you, her, everything, man. It's and it's awesome. We still are very happy together. We laugh all the time. She has your back. We have dude. a great relationship. She must have your like. Mauer has my back. Like supports absolutely. Because what we do is we're like big kids. Like we get to do what we love. Go on tour. Talk like sailors. Hang out with our best friends. Play music. And then while the parent, while the wives are holding it down back here, yep, and like just be a bunch of not like big kids, and like what we do is kind of you don't really have to grow up, you know. It's true. It's and then true. When you get home, your wife's like, okay, dishes. My wife is to hand me my son. Here you go. You've been gone for two weeks. Here's your son. <laughs> like it's it's, so, it's such a reality when you get home from tour. Yeah, there's a freedom. Check you. There's a freedom about going on tour. You know, like when I'm at home, yeah, no responsibility. I. I I use my debit card and I'm always really concerned about money and, mm. you know, and I'm worried about you know, all the things that come with, you know, adulting. And I say that as a 50 year old man, <laughs> but when I go on tour, 
I get a little bit of PD money or a little bit of merch cash or whatever. I only ever spend cash. It's in my pocket. I never think about money. All I'm worried about is like, when's the next sound check? When's the set? Is that crazy? Are no. we going to get to the next city on time? Like, no responsibility. Stuff that's super easy. Yeah. So lucky to do that shit, man. <laughs> and then come home to a wife and who has our back and loves us. And it's, it's we're very lucky, man. There's not many people who can do that and have a long music career and have a wife with you, like. Yeah. hold you down like that man yeah that's it's awesome super important man. i feel like, very lucky very lucky um i saw you guys are doing this triple crown thing live stream november 27th 28th and 29th yes um that's super cool it's a three-day thing you asked us to do it and i apologize live on this podcast that i couldn't get my shit together because my brother's in who know where uh, rusty's in south carolina my drum lives in new jersey adam's here but it's got jim from pennywise floggy molly nate uh jason from authority zero my my brother sharp shock it's cool. Yeah, man. it's gonna be fun. It's, it's gonna a fundraiser, be fun. right? Yeah, we're we're trying to uh, get some money together to help South Bay Customs. Okay, um, what is that? It's a it's a really great music venue. They're okay. in El Segundo. It's it's Michael Schreiber owns it. He is a mechanic that does custom motorcycles and, and okay. uh, cars and trucks and stuff. And uh, but he decided in addition to that, he wanted to put a stage right in the middle of the garage. Wow. And it's got a great PA, good lighting. It's like a super cool pro setup. He has shows there three, five nights a week before COVID. Yeah. And um, we played there a few times. We actually filmed our double crossed video there off the protection record. So we're going to go there and we're going to play three sets there and um, raise a little bit of money for his place to keep him afloat during the pandemic. That's super and, nice. And, and in addition, trying to bring, he's a member of uh, the National Independent Venue Association, NEVA, okay. and they've been doing a big push called Save Our Stages. Is where, that where Stormy Shepard's been pushing that too? The booking agent, leave home Yeah, has she? Has she? Okay. Um, They're trying to go to Congress and actually get Congress to give money to independent music venues to keep entertainment, you know, going, uh, depending on how long this whole lockdown thing's going to be. Because people don't think about the venues. You know, Live Nation has, they're the gigantic octopus that has all the music venues, but there's tons of other independent venues that are struggling to survive. And those are some of the best places in the country to play music and to see live music. Yeah. So I think it's important for, you know, people like us that are in this industry, we think about it because it's our livelihood, but a lot of people might not realize that that's also a segment of the economy here in the United States that does need a little bit of help. So yeah, that's cool. You guys are doing that. And then, um, so are you, you, one thing I learned in lockdown is like not to stress about things I can't control. I see my shows being announced next summer. I'm like, oh, awesome on this festival with this band, but the promoters or the booking agents have zero control of that. It's the governors, it's the States, it's the country. (laughs) Have you learned to like come to terms with like when this might happen? Are you stressed about it or are you just, you kind of like whatever, whatever you you love being home. Oh, I'm stressed about it. Yeah. <laughs> I have been stressed about it. I try not to be. It's you know? hard not to be, dude. But you're right. We have to remember that we don't have any control. Zero control over it. Whatsoever. I mean, we, we were supposed to be on the Punk and Drublick tour in Europe. That was supposed to happen last summer. It's got, moved, that. It's got moved to May of 2021. No one's made any formal announcements, and I, I don't know that they will as far as I know it's on. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the rug got pulled out from under us at some point. You know, like... yeah. Even if, even if the eight, like you said, if everything went right from the promoter standpoint in the venues, um, what if the, you know, immigration office in the country you wanted to fly into in Europe said, well, cool, you have to quarantine for 14 days now that you've come here. That would just blow a budget for a band and you wouldn't be able to do it because that's scary. Now you got to pay to have your whole band sit around for Mm -hmm. two weeks. 
So, um, you know, there's a lot of things at play. But and who wants to be the first band to do that? Who wants to be the first band to be responsible to have a whole bunch of cases break out because you were the first band to play a show? I don't want that responsibility, man. Yeah, there's that too. You know, and there's yeah. and like other venues with like insurance and lawsuits and all. Nobody's trying to. The only way we're going to really get around this is when we have some kind of vaccine that I think people are able to take so that, that we can have some assurance that we can prevent massive outbreaks of it, right? And I know that's a that's another problem in and of itself because there's going to be a lot of people that'll be unwilling to take Have a you got a vaccine for the flu before? No, but Me, me either. <laughs> but guess what? At 50, we're supposed to be doing it every okay. year now. That's when they recommend okay, it. Okay, so at 50, we're supposed to get colonoscopies. Have you set yours up? I have not. I just had my first phone call with it. I'm so scared. They put in the doctor quotes, the Michael Jackson drug. I'm so scared to do it. I know we have to do it at 50. We have to do it. You're right. Yeah, and I'm right. scared. It's part of... So you're 50? You, look, fi- you look great. I'm actually 51. You look great. Thanks. Um, I have this long beard to cover all my double chins. And no. it's really gray. So that makes me look <laughs> a little older maybe than I am. But, but music keeps you young. Like what we do it. keeps us young for I sure. I think so. Yeah. But the colonoscopy is super important. Any 50-year-olds listening, we have to do that at 50. And now they're saying you have to do it at 45 actually. So we're actually... I'm scared to do it, but I know I have to do it, man. It's crazy. All my friends do it. The good news, though, is the prostate exam, I think, is largely gone. They can just check your blood. You can do a blood test and see whether or not you'd have to get a prostate exam. So. And there's also, I'm not to be gross, I looked up the other day, They can you can poop in a box and send it in. It's I saw online. The Cologuard. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you're talking about, the Cologuard. So I don't know if but, I would do that instead. So if you're not at high risk, this is what I understand, I'm not a doctor. Break it down, Trevor. But if you're not at high risk for colonoscopy, like if it doesn't run in your family yeah. or a colon cancer it doesn't run in your family then you could be a candidate for that less invasive test and that that buys you like another five years before you i'm gonna to try that dude because i'm so stressed about one getting put on my first drug or everyone else gonna be the michael jackson drug they're gonna knock me out i'm just scared about the whole thing wake <laughs> Have up you never had any kind of surgery for anything no you know? man really you've avoided that huh? i've That's... never tried anything i've never tried anything in my entire life wow. except for coffee, coffee. And that fucked me up last year i can't do it anymore uh, you know what? It's a drug. It's it really a legal is. one, but caffeine, yeah, it definitely has a serious physiological effect on I know, you. and I wanted to be a grown-up. I was like turning 50, and my oh, rusty, everybody drinks coffee. They go on these <laughs> long walks through Europe to the night, nice coffee shops. So I started drinking it. It made me hyper. It made me dehydrated. It made me shit myself. It made me like come down really heavy. It's hard, man. It's, it doesn't work yeah. for my body, man. Yeah, some people, it doesn't even have much of an effect on it all. So it just kind of really so much. depends on your physiology, I guess. Um, yeah. I learned a lot about you today, and I appreciate your time. Like, <laughs> I had no idea you were straight. Just everything. This has been, I appreciate you driving straight here from Vegas. Oh, no worries. No uh, but worries. I think I'm going to do that colonoscopy thing you said in the box. I think they make it a move. <laughs> Are you thinking more towards that? Because you knew exactly what I was talking about. Well, I, I'm waiting for mine to come in the mail. Oh, so you're going to do fact. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, That's dude. what's set up for I want to know how it goes. So we basically put... <laughs> I'll have to get back to you on that. So we basically put poop in a box and send it back? Pretty gross, right? Yeah. Yeah, but still, were you doing that because you're nervous about going to get the thing? No. Uh, basically, because I have no real risk factors. Me either. Or any history. I, I uh, answered... They had, I had a 45-minute phone call to the doctor, and my and my answers to every question was no, no, you smoke, you drink, you have I had none of that stuff either, so... Right. Right, so and my insurance doesn't they don't they don't cover they cover the whole thing except I have to pay two fifty out of pocket, which is not bad because because of anesthesia that Blue Cross doesn't cover that. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, so you're doing it. So one thing you don't want to have to do is a thing you got to pay for the anesthesia part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I but the, the guy's like this is gonna be the best two hundred fifty dollars you save in your life. Right, right. No, it, it's important to get screened at this point for sure. Have you been? Have you, this is, we're gonna get real weird now because we're almost done. But have you been snipped before? You got snipped. 
I, I was, yeah. Me right, too. Right after my daughter was born. I don't know why I asked you that, but I got snipped too. So I, well, I... I'm talking some shit. My wife and I decided. Fuck the music. We're talking about some Maybe on me now. more than anyone. My uh, wife decided too. I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to have any more. Two is good. I'm happy with the two. I would have mm-hmm. been good with one actually. And I shouldn't ever say that because I love my daughter dearly and yeah. she's an amazing person. Hope she's not listening. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she but, but we decided together that we'd have two. I think my wife would have been more willing to go like maybe even three and four. But I was like, two's going to be good. So you got the snip. So I got snipped right after my daughter was born. Like she was a little baby, little wow. bundle infant. And I was in there having my vast deferens soldered. Yeah. Watching smoke go up between my legs. Yeah. I highly, doubt, terrifying. I highly doubt that your wife was in there filming it, taking pictures. The no, doctor's like. She wasn't. <laughs> my wife filmed it, took pictures. The smoke was coming off. And then she handed my son the jar with the tubes. Here you go. You're not, oh, we, my God. Because we had so many talks with my son. Do you want to have another sibling? He's like, no, no, no. My wife, the, the, the doctor's name. His name is Dr. Sachs. No way. And he's in Beverly Hills. He's been doing it for 30 years. Amazing. And so after that, three of my friends went to him. So shout out to Dr. Sachs. We got real weird now with the colonoscopies and getting stepped anyway. Um, Trevor, thank you. I appreciate everything you've done in music. You continue to do. Um, I love my band plays with you. We have, we have such good. I love H2O and Face to Face together. I think it meshes really well. We had great shows with you guys last Dude, year. I, 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 I want to say again. real quick, and I know you're, I know you're wrapping it up. Oh, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm chilling. After not, I feel bad I kept you so long. After but. not having like hung out with you and the guys for, you know, long it's time. been sporadic over the years. Yeah. It's been sporadic. Um, but it was more in the 90s that we did more shows, yeah. uh, mostly shows together. After that huge gap and then hanging out with you again this past October on the lag wagon thing, uh, please can we do more shows? Yeah, I would we talked about really, Europe really enjoy it. I would I love to do more stuff. With it's you such guys. a it was such a great package with us and lag wagon. You guys, it was so fun. Yeah, like, it'd be yeah. like fun on the East Coast too. For sure, it'd be good vibe if, when we're able to get back out and yeah. do this again. We definitely need to do some stuff. What's together. crazy right now is we may we may hang up on this now and we have a new president or not. It's just really crazy. Oh, I know. It this is. is election day, people. We talk for like two hours and we're trying just to avoid of just looking at politics and we're going to check our phones after this and something could have changed or not. We don't know, man. Uh, it's crazy. Without getting into politics yeah. at all, I, w- I want to say this little bit say about shit, it. Brother. Okay, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> I think we are putting far too much focus on the office of the president and whoever gets elected, it's not going to be the end of the world. Four years, agree with you, man. four years from now, we're going to be able to change it again. Yeah. We live in a country where we're lucky enough to make these changes with some regularity. And uh, for anyone who feels like it's going to be a do or die situation, uh, whoever the president is, make it through it, man. Things probably won't change all that much because it's incremental over time and uh it, it's just not going to be the end of the world so don't stress don't yeah. stress is my is my I, message i like it. you're I giving like some positive vibes please don't stress I, we'll make we're going to make it through it we're going to make we it will through definitely it. make it through it and at the end of the day things things do continue to get better and and they will we're in a rough rough thing right now uh with the pandemic and all that but yeah i voted it's I, not going to last forever we voted, we use our voice, we, we talk about things in music, we express ourselves, you know, like, you know. Politics aren't the most important thing in life. The most no. important thing in life are the connections we make through our family and our friends. I agree. And, and the experiences that we have together. So uh, while they are important, I think maybe there's a, a little bit too much of a fever pitch importance. I think everything's put. magnified a thousand times by social media and everything right now. Like before, 
I think Obama was the first person to start tweet, uh, tweeting. Before all that, we just lived our lives. We did what we know. We knew what was going on in the elections, but yeah. it's been so magnified by a thousand times. Every I'm not day. saying issues aren't important, and I'm not uh, saying yeah, put, yeah for, for sure. Bury your head in the sand. It's no, important to be no. involved in all of this. Yeah, you have no but, choice. You but we've to. reached a level of like the threat of violence and and crazy shit that almost makes it seem like we're not living in a civilized country anymore. Mm-hmm. So things things have the ability to change and get better. And and even if it's not the result you were hoping for, uh, or you or I or yeah. anyone, um, it, it the world won't end. The world will not yeah. end. And I think more <laughs> we'll get than, through it. I think now more than ever, especially after today, what happens, we have to have live music, man. And I'm yes. going to say this too. Not trying to be political either, but it's interesting how people are fighting for Disneyland to come back because Disney is the place of joy. It, feel, it fills people's hearts. Yes. Like, music does the same thing for so many people that are listening right now. Like I think music's essential as well, man. It, 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 it heals people, man. It absolutely but is. But we're the lowest yeah. on the totem pole. Music and the arts were like, nobody's <laughs> even talking about us, man. We're like the lowest <laughs> on the totem pole. It's just right. frustrating. But I know when it's our time it's our time i'm not trying to rush anything like i said be the first man to go out there and get people sick i get it we gotta wait but it's just this is i I never took for granted playing music i'm sure you haven't either and i love what we do but this is it's hard like not knowing what's going to happen for us to get on the stage again and it could be the most incredible first show back or it could be the most weirdest social distance show we ever play (laughs) like we talked about before like playing like a less capacity like who knows what's going to happen but it's exciting to know one day we'll do it, you know? If we have the confidence to know that there are some remedies out there, whether it's a vaccine or, uh, or uh, what do you call, what are people calling the, you know, something that can help relieve symptoms or yeah. prevent your symptoms from going into a point where it's uh, super dangerous. Yeah. Therapeutics, I guess, is what yeah. the word I was looking for. If people feel that they have those uh, options available to them, then I think people won't have to be as scared about uh, even contracting coronavirus. There's a lot of fear out there. Um, yeah. So yeah. if we can cut through the fear and put people's minds at ease, we'll be able to get back out there and play. And, and I know there's people that are waiting to get back out and go to live shows. I'm yeah. one of those. I'm, I'm on both sides of the column. I want to play music and I want to go to live shows. Would too. you rather see a live show first and, and be the one playing it? No, I'd rather play it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just because I enjoy that side of it better. Um, last question. Top five. I know the three is Descendants, Bad Religion, and Fugazi with three influences. But yes. you have a, tell you have a top five like artist or musician. Some of this not punk rock. Some of the people like, oh shit, Trevor likes that. Oh, not punk rock. Yeah, some, well, I wanted something. to throw the clash in with the Best. punk rock stuff. Best. Because um, I, I didn't mention that. And it actually took me a lot longer to, I've, I've been aware of the clash. Yeah. When I was a kid, like Rock the Casbah was on the radio every five seconds. So I always liked them. Yeah. I didn't really ever have a full appreciation for the clash until the recent couple decades. Nice. You know, Sandinistas so, is an interesting. I really love, I love, I love, San, I love all the clash records except Cut the Crap. But okay. that's not really a clash record. <laughs> Um, but something people are like, oh, Trevor listens. To it. it will be something we nobody know you listen to. Well, I think people that know me probably already know. I'm because a the cover huge songs. Smiths fan. Okay. I love the Smiths are probably my favorite band. Wow. Okay. Um, and I, I like, I'm a big Moz head. I love Morrissey. Okay. Meet <laughs> um, his murder. It's a I, classic. I love The Cure, you know, uh, right, up and, right up until disintegration okay I probably don't really go at, but those wow, okay. but i cherish all the records incredible, previous incredible to that artist. um you know i like some darker kind of stuff from that era too like joy division yeah big joy division fan what was that shit um i like new order speaking of joy division yep um, duran duran nxs 
You know what? In Excess is one of those <laughs> bands that I don't love everything they do, but the stuff I do love, I really love. Like, okay. I always, that's why we covered Don't Change. Yeah. I always thought that was just such Don't a great song, world. you know? So good, man. Such a great song. And it doesn't really fit with some of the other cheesier dance mm-hmm. music they did later in their career. And they blew up. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, I didn't really think I liked a lot of country music, but living in Nashville, mm-hmm. had, your mind. It, it reinforced me for like the roots country stuff I love. Like, I really like Johnny Cash a lot. I like Patsy Cline. Johnny Cash is punk. You know, um, in some of that kind of earlier roots country stuff. Too. Yeah. What about hip hop? Any hip hop? I've been a fan of Elvis. All right. Um, I can see that with you. I tried my hand at uh, working with some hip hop producers. Oh, wow. And uh, I had a label on my antagonist label. I did some stuff. Oh, interesting. With, I put out a KRS One record. You and, did? And some, yeah. Which album? It's called Life. Holy shit, it's one of my favorite artists. That's crazy. Really? Dude. Okay. Yeah, dude, wow. So He's I kind of genius, dude. I mean, I think I think there's great moments in hip hop. Yeah. But it's not a genre in general that it's uh, like I I don't connect with it. Beastie Boys, you like? I love Beastie Boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah. not all of it. Not yeah. all of it either. There, I think that's a little hit and miss too. Okay. You know, when they were on, they were really. Well, I think Check Your Head is like a brilliant album, Incredible. start you like, to like finish. Like Paul's Boutique. I do like Paul's Boutique, but I think Check Your Head's better. Okay, <laughs> I disagree. I love Paul's Boutique. Um, but dude, KRS One, that's crazy, dude. Wow, it's a big you, deal. Did you work with him? You meet him and stuff? I didn't meet him, okay. but um, I worked with a producer that made the album and then delivered it to me. So I was kind of okay. had a label that had the distribution that put it out at the time. That's cool, man. Wow. Yeah. So country, trippy so yeah, stuff. Pop. Trippy stuff. Yeah. What about <laughs> any pop music? Like you two. I love you too. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know if I would. I guess they're pop, right? Yes. They kind of came up through the whole '80s new wave. Here's thing. a real question: you Like Coldplay? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love asking people that question. I, that's my favorite. But yeah, some people hate them, some people don't. Yeah. Uh, I can't say I hate them. You know, much in the same way. It, I just I'm indifferent about them. Yeah. They're just such a milk toast, mediocre, boring. <laughs> Yo, people listening, this is incredible. They know I'm a freaking Coldplay freak. You are? Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Sorry, I love hearing dude. that. Some people, I like to ask that. Some people are like, nah. Some people really love them. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be insulting it's all good. to your taste. But thanks, thanks to shout out to Freddie Madball who turned me on to Coldplay. People are like, how do you like Coldplay? Well, Freddie from Madball turned me on to it on the Warp Tour. I was like, okay. I cool. Um, cool. You too. Uh, Prince. Love Prince. Yeah. Yeah. 1999. Come on. Incredible, man. Great record. Hi, Mama. We're all finished, babe. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Is sometimes incredible. we'll. I, I mean, we we'll break into Purple Rain sometimes when we play live. Just for the I fun like of that. It. <laughs> I like you guys bringing outside influences on your records. I like that. I learned a lot about you today, Trevor. Thanks, I really man. appreciate your yeah, time. Yeah, it's been great hanging out. This is fucking. This is your life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for inviting me into your home and of hanging course, out and everything. Man. Man. I'm excited it's people to hear this, man. Yeah, it's good we connected you the last year and. Um, this is awesome. So everybody, thanks for tuning in. How can they find anything you're working on? Uh, my book and uh, all Complete of the lyrics. limited edition records and stuff that I've put out through my own label is at IamTheAntagonist.com. Okay. That's where all that stuff is. Everything else you're going to want to go to Fat Records for. Yeah, I love that you, re- you released your own records on your own label. That's cool. The vinyl, it's, it's awesome to be able to do that. I just do I do very limited runs. It's kind of a boutique thing. It's smart though. Know, so And this book is super cool, man. The complete lyrics from nineteen ninety, two thousand twenty. Um this is really cool, man. 
awesome. And you can get this anywhere, right? This book's out now, right? It's out now. Uh, it is a limited edition of a thousand, and the stock is running low. But there still are copies. So I am the antagonist.com if you want to find it. And when's the new face to face record come out? Man, I hope it's coming out in April of next year. But there's no set release release date. But it's supposed to come out this year. It's up year. in the year. It it could have. Yeah, it could have. Is there a name that people know? You're not announcing the name or nothing. No, we're not okay. even that. We're not okay. even that deep into it. It's just a bunch of songs right now. Anybody win yet? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, thank you for being here. Um, really appreciate your time. All right. I think we covered everything. I believe we did. If not, then I'll get you on the phone. We'll do a part two. <laughs> um, okay. Austin, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.